Welcome to Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast hosted and produced by Mike Hall and Jim Harris, where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture, edited by Jim Harris, and music by Mike Hall. Ladies and gentlemen, with all of the hype, all of the rave reviews, we ventured out to look at some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles conduct some mutant mayhem. Jim, tell me how much you love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In general or this particular movie? Yes. <laughs> well, I'll start with this particular movie. The day before we went to see it, a friend of ours said, have you seen the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie yet? And I'm like, there's a new movie? Is it live action or animated? And like, animated. And it's now out in theaters? <laughs> I had, apparently we had, must have seen a preview of it in one of the mo movies we had seen before. I completely blanked, not only that it had been released in theaters, but that it was even a thing. I completely forgot. So you had no expectations going into it. I had no expectations going into it, even when I found out the night before, when I said, hey, why don't we should go see it? I didn't even look anything up online. So normally, I've seen trailers, I've looked up things online, I've pre-spoiled things for me. It's like, didn't even know it was a thing. Didn't even really care to even look up anything online about it. Just wanted to go see the movie without any expectations and see what it was. You know a lot more about it than I do. I only vaguely remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I mainly remember the early 90s live-action adaptation of it. That's fair. I'm vaguely familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Mike sang the Pizza Hut theme song to me from that movie before we hit the record button. And I haven't seen the movie in like 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. So for me going into this movie, when we did see, because I remember seeing the trailer for it, and when I saw it and I saw the animation style, which I don't really like, it worked for Spider-Man, but it doesn't really work for this, I don't think. When I saw all that and I looked at it and I saw heard some of the jokes and kind of where they were going with it, and I immediately went, oh, that's going to suck. And then it came out and reviewers were all saying that it was amazing and that it's one of the best versions ever and they did all these things that were great and, and everything sounded really good. And I'm like, huh, maybe it's better than I expect it to be. And so I got my hopes up a little bit and then we went and saw it. And my expectations were correct from the beginning. <laughs> I don't want to say I was more disappointed in this than I was from Flash, but it's pretty close. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I had, again, no expectations. Our friend told me that he thought it was good for what it was. It was one of the better ones he'd seen, but he said he understood that the bar is pretty low for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that's done before, but he enjoyed it. So, for me, it's probably because of my familiarity. And he's so, closer to your age. So, yeah. he has, he, like, he talked about how he had a lot of the action figures growing up. Who didn't? I, I didn't, because that was like, because <laughs> I'm like, I'm more of a decade older than you. So, I missed that phase of it. So, some of that resonated with him, and he thought overall it was good. Let me start here. My childhood was based around Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles before I even got into comic books. Okay. So to the point of, like I said, that first live action movie, I watched that probably multiple times a day. <laughs> Again, I, I, I haven't actually watched it in 10, 15 years probably. Mm -hmm. And if we were to turn it on right now, I would be able to say word for word the entire movie along with it. <laughs> and I do it on accident. I don't even mean to do it. So like when I have watched it with other people, it pisses them off because it's line for line through the whole thing. That's almost exclusively the toys that I played with as a kid. I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, you know, like the fathead things that people have, like, athletes and stuff. Mm -hmm. I had Ninja Turtle ones on my walls. I had Ninja <laughs> Turtle bedsheets. I had everything was Ninja Turtles. Interesting. So, I have expectations for Ninja Turtles. And so, when I'm looking at this movie and I'm watching it, is it a bad movie? 
No. But is it a bad Ninja Turtles movie? Fucking yes. If they had just created new characters and done this movie based on new characters, I don't think I would be negative towards it. I think I would say it's a decent movie. It's all right. It's got good messaging. We'll talk about that later. It's entertaining-ish. You know, it's more for kids, which Ninja Turtles should be. Yeah, we're going to come back to target audience later, too. Yeah. So, But for me, being a Ninja Turtles movie, this missed the mark so completely that I don't even want to call it a Ninja Turtles movie. Wow. <sighs> so yeah, what was your, your actual feeling uh, with no expectations going into it? What did you think? My first reaction to it was I was surprised by the animation style. Again, I completely forgot that we had seen a trailer or a preview, and I love the Spider-Verse movies. To me, it looked like a cheap imitation of the Spider-Verse animation style. It wasn't as good by any means as the Spider-Verse animation style. It kind of looked amateurish to me. It wasn't bad, but it was just like an immediate like, oh, this is kind of a lower quality of animation than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But still, it was not like horrible, but it's like initially that kind of threw me off a little bit. And as we'll get into later, some of the like target audience and the messaging is like, who is this movie really for? Also threw me a little bit. Overall, I kind of just thought it was okay. I mean, we'll come back to the storytelling framework and the messaging. And I think who the target audience is, is probably why it's well received. But I was confused. Again, being a relative neophyte or tadpole in the world of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I guess I was expecting to see Shredder and Casey. So I wasn't as familiar with like who the other characters were other than Splinter and the Turtles and April. I knew who they were. Yeah. The rest of the panorama of characters meant nothing to me. It's like, I don't even know who they are. I couldn't even tell you the level of excitement I had at the very beginning when I see in the background when there's like sketches of what he's trying to create for mutants and I saw Mondo Gecko. The level of excitement I had is beyond explanation <laughs> because for some reason I loved Mondo Gecko growing okay. up. So so I guess from there let's let's jump into some of the like there are positives to the movie. Like Oh, like I said, overall it's to me I think it was it was an yeah. okay movie. It wasn't terrible. I mean, again, definitely we have seen worse things recently. You already mentioned one of them, Flash. (laughs) But it wasn't, eh. Yeah. But there were good things, but go ahead. Yeah, so like when Mondo Gecko, when I saw that Mondo Gecko was going to be in it, in my head, for some reason, I just automatically kind of thought of Paul Rudd. (laughs) And then when Mondo Gecko was in it, and he started speaking, I'm like, if that's not Paul Rudd, that's somebody doing a Paul Rudd impersonation. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was Paul Rudd. And that's the level of excitement. That was the peak of the movie for me, was Mondo Gecko was spot on. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, there's a good story. It's a consistent story. It doesn't get lost. It stays on point. There are a lot of good scenes. There were parts where I found myself laughing and I'm like, stop it. <laughs> Don't you dare enjoy this. <laughs> It's very childish humor, which is why I was like, I shouldn't be laughing at it, but that was kind of funny. But otherwise, I mean, like I said, I don't know. It's hard to say because overall, I think the movie sucked. But at the same time, it could be enjoyable. I I guess to me, it depends on on where you're at mentally as you're coming into it. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I don't don't want to jump ahead to who I thought the, the audience was for. But I think that kind of explains why I think I'm okay with the movie. So let's just go ahead and hit that because it's going to keep coming up. So let's just go to that. Okay. I think, and not just because this was indicative of a crowd that we saw it with, we saw it on an early Saturday afternoon showing on a holiday weekend in the United States. So it was largely families with, I would say, grade school children yeah. in the theater with us. I think this was a movie geared towards families and children to preteens in terms of the messaging has kind of like an after school special type of let's learn the moral of of the story type of framework to it. And I think that it was also intended to be maybe for people our age who have kids who grew up liking the turtles and wanted to introduce their kids to the turtles was kind of like the feel I got from it. Yeah. Who I think, which is why for me, it's like, that's not us because we don't have kids. 
and I'm not as much of a turtle fan as you are. So for me, it's like, this isn't for me. So it was just an okay movie for me, but I think that's who, that's who, I, I think that's who the audience was. I agree. I had brought a notepad with me to take down any like emergency notes that I wanted to make sure I didn't forget. And I didn't take any notes to the movie. After the movie, pulled out my notepad, wrote a couple things down. The very first thing I wrote was <clears throat> old people trying to imitate what they think kids want or like. I think that was the intended audience is kids of of adults who liked Ninja Turtles growing up. I mean, it was written mostly, but not entirely by Seth Rogen. Right. To me, it, it seemed like, I forget exactly how old he, he, he might be between our ages. Yeah, he's somewhere around in there. Somewhere around in there. To me, kind of to your point, is like, he may have liked the Turtles as a kid, and then maybe think it's like, how can I like make contemporary references so that kids nowadays would appreciate the essence of the humor and the characters? And that's what he kind of wrote down to. To your point, it's like, what he thinks kids would like today in the style of what he liked as a kid watching the Turtles was kind of like how I interpreted it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And I think one thing they did well, but also not very well at the same time was pulling in the obscure characters. And I think they did that just to satisfy people like me, ones that really liked Ninja Turtles growing up, which there was a lot of like wingnut. Who knows about wingnut? Why would they put wingnut in this? But I mean, it kind of worked for what they were doing for it and everything. Nothing necessarily bad about that. I thought it was an interesting choice because, again, I didn't know who any of those characters were. And it seemed like an unnecessary amount of... I mean, it made sense in the story. And, and it, it played in, like you had said before, it's well-written and, and well-executed because they do a nice little pivot of... I mean, we'll come back when we talk about the messaging, we'll come back to the themes and stuff. I think it all worked as a movie, but I kind of like your point from earlier that if this wasn't a Turtles movie... And it was just some other type of group of kids right. and two rival gangs who see the world differently, who fight with each other, but then kind of become friends. The same exact story would work. The story framework of it seems like it didn't really need to be. I don't know if they what came first, right, is, is what popped into my mind. Did they think of a Turtles movie or did someone have this type of story framework? And they said, what can we bolt onto this that would kind of go with it? I guess we could do kind of a Turtles thing and it kind of works. Mm -hmm. Or did they go the other way around? It's like if we try to do a Turtles movie targeted to young kids today, you know, we got to put something in there that they can relate to more. Yeah. And then they did what they did. I don't know which one came first. Yeah, I, I could see either either one. My biggest problem with it is I think they just missed it. I think there's too much reference in it. Uh, I mentioned that after after we saw it, of like a lot of the jokes are very time period-esque to yes. where, you know, 10 years from now, people aren't going to understand what the references are. People are going to forget. Like, they're very specific references mm -hmm. in this movie. Um, and I think that was try to go, hey, kids, we're hip, right? We, we know the things. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the jokes, like, based around, like, dances and stuff that, that they're doing. Um, yeah, like TikTok videos. Right. And and who's the most popular actors at the moment and social media culture and what it's like to be a kid in a world where there are TikTok videos and social media right. culture. It's very of the moment, right. like you said, which will probably not age well. Yeah. So that, that, I think, probably rubbed me the wrong way as well. That might be part of it. Um, like I said, I like the fact that they pulled obscure characters and that's what I mean by it worked, because they're obscure characters anyway, and it served the purpose of the story. Let, let's jump to that, because we can come back to some of the other things that we had. Let's talk about the characters and the source material, because I think that's yeah. one of the things... The first thing that popped through my mind is, again, I am not seeing any Turtle-related stuff in quite some time. I think the last time I actually saw any of the Turtles movies was, I think, during the pandemic. One bored weekend, I watched what I call the Megan Fox ones. The movies were making the live action movies were making Fox. Not that that's the reason I watch, but that's just like how I remember. It's like the ones mm -hmm. where Megan Fox played April. For some reason, one weekend I watched those. I can't remember if there were two or three of those. Two. Okay, so I watched those. Those are probably the only thing, at least in like the last five years of Turtles, I've watched. So the first thing that popped into my mind was, did they get the four the personalities of the four turtles right? Would be my question to you. No. 
Okay, because like to me, <laughs> like I I don't remember it enough. Like Raph, Raph's yeah. supposed to be the hothead, and uh, like so I, again, it seemed like they had it, but like I don't remember the show or the movies enough to know what their personalities were supposed to be like. So you you emphatically answered no. If, yes. Okay. So they, what they did, what you always complain about, they told but didn't show. Okay. You know, they kept telling you, Leonardo, you're the leader. He didn't really act like a leader. No. They made reference to, hey, Donnie, you're, you're the smart one. Think of something. Mm-hmm. They never really showed him being smart. No. Raph, they kept mentioning that he had rage problems. Right. He never really showed any rage problems. No. You know, they showed him being like, oh, you know, he wants this, like, bulking powder and stuff. You know, he is a little bit bigger than the other guys, but not to a point to really show any of it. And then Mikey, they just made him the little brother. Right. And that's it. Right. There's there, None of them really had any personality. Like the live act again, going back to the early early nineties live action movie, they showed you that Raph had yeah. a chip on his shoulder and anger problem and he wanted to fight and he went out on his own. Like I right. said, they showed it to you. They exactly. didn't just tell you like I said, and multiple times through this movie is like, dude, you got some anger issues. But I don't really remember him getting actually any more or less angry right. than anyone else. And or even- like I said, oh, oh, he has glasses, so he must be smart. Right. But did he really do anything other than carry around his smartphone? <laughs> right. And even in the original the original live actions from the 90s, like, mm-hmm. they showed him like they're waiting for a pizza, and he's like, yep, should be here in about 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he just knows that stuff. He's calculating in his head all the time. He's doing that stuff. Like, Yeah, they just made that joke at the end, like, like oh, I found my people, the group of teens that are all yeah. huddled around their they laptop. Just- Oh, look, there's the nerds. They're my people. But they never really showed us that he was nerdy. Right. They never showed that, like, he could actually build things. Right. Or anything like that. Like, and that's... Mm -hmm. So when I say this movie sucked, that's really what I mean is the characters. Okay. The characters were just... They sucked. They weren't them yet. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to be a little bit more lenient because this is, like, entry level. Yeah. So, you know, maybe in the next one they'll develop those characters, you know, because they did set it up for a next one. So I'm trying to be a little bit lenient. You know, the next one might make this one better for me. This felt like kind of like a, a prequel that they did first. Yeah. Because like I said earlier, I was expecting Shredder because that's when I think of Turtles, that's who I think of as the bad guy. So in a lot of the newer animated stuff, they've actually been leaning more towards Krang being the main oh, bad guy okay. and Shredder's just there. Okay. Um, and there's also another series that leaned towards a bunch of other types of bad guys, too, and that made sense mm-hmm. to it. But again, this one didn't make sense. So the Superfly, the bad guy, <laughs> I mean, that should have been Baxter Stockman. But Baxter Stockman was just a scientist that happened to be a fly. So he doesn't really make a good bad guy. So they altered it. And then, you know, Bebop and Rocksteady, who are like the bad guy mutants, all of a sudden they're just... You know what? I'm gonna be good now. No, that's not. That's not what they do. That doesn't make sense. Mondo Gecko makes sense. He actually kind of flip flop like that. Leatherhead? No, that was that was a bad guy. That he should have stayed a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so that that was kind of where I'm at. Like everybody just kind of flipped too easily. Yeah, that was the weakest part of the script. But the the overall structure and the story when we talk about messaging was there. But yeah, there was a little bit of a, again, I think written down to the audience because they really hit you over the head too, even with Splinter's reversal of perspective. So yeah, some of that stuff was a little bit weak-heeled in its turn. Yeah. But so so the Turtles, you think, personality-wise, caricature, not even, like I said, hell, not show not really giving you a great understanding that these are four distinct personalities and four different right. turtles, that you didn't really get enough of that in the movie. Now, I'm going to throw a caveat in here. Okay. I had heard that this pulls more from the comic books to a point, and I have not read the comic books. Okay. Which I still myself cannot believe I haven't read the comic books. <laughs> I think I'm scared of disappointment at this oh. point because I built it up in my head so much. Mm-hmm. And I just don't have access. Like, I just haven't bought them. I've got the apps for Marvel and DC, and that's where I read everything now because I don't want to buy it because I'm running out of space. <laughs> um, in a room we're sitting in where I am literally surrounded by comic book paraphernalia. Exactly. Yes. I'm running out of space. <laughs> so, But it is on my list, and I think after this I'm going to have to buy it because I want to know the difference. So maybe in the comic books they were more closely personality-wise. They, they weren't as distinct. But in everything else, they're very distinct. And in Mutant Mayhem, no, they're just... 
The thing I found funny, and I didn't even know if this is, was always the case, their belt buckle had the first initial mm -hmm. of their name. And I think without that, I might have forgotten who was who. So that is actually, that does... Other than the fact that I kind of sort of know who's who has what weapon, but yeah. not as much as you do. But there were plenty of times where when their weapons were behind their shells, and I don't, I don't remember the colors of their eye uh, thing, it's like... Without that little initial, I don't think, other than the, the one with the glasses, right? I don't know if I would have been able to tell who was supposed to be who. Which I don't even like. I don't like the glasses thing. But no. anyways, that, that actually does kind of come from the books, though, because the books were in black and white. Oh. So you didn't have the colors. So oh. if they didn't have their weapons in their hands, you had no way of knowing which one was which gotcha. outside of that. So that is a thing. And that's pretty standard form. So Turtle's bad. Turtle's How about bad. Splinter and April? Let's start with April. That's so the one I didn't so, want to talk about. Oh, you don't right. want to talk so, about April? So okay. April, I, I was confused. And again, maybe this was just decided the way that I had all... Again, I'm colored by the live-action remakes. I don't even really remember the animated series all that well. I remember April being an adult, not a peer. Mm -hmm. So it made sense for the story they decided to write, but that kind of threw me at first. Yeah. And that's where I'm biting my tongue and choosing my words because <laughs> this version of April made sense for this story. Okay. I, I will full on say that. They at least went back to her being a reporter, more of a reporter than the fucking Megan Fox one. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I, I actually really do like Megan Fox. I think she just gets screwed in her roles all the time because of how she looks. I don't think she's really given anything to do. Stand there and be pretty, Megan. Yeah, and she's not... <laughs> yeah, so I, I think... I don't fault her for her version of it. She did what she was written. So I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way. <laughs> nice. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I did have the initial... And, and they've been doing this a lot lately. Like, I don't know where it transitioned, but it transitioned somewhere where I look at her and I go, well, that's not what April looks like. But then I'm like, oh, it doesn't really matter. This is a different version. So and that it ultimately doesn't bother me. It was the personality that bothered me. They made her too trendy TikTok-y to me. And that's not the reporter version that I wanted. You okay. know, she's she's much more Lois Laney. It should be much more Lois Laney. A lot less influencer. And that's my struggle there. And I think that's a byproduct, like I said, of who the target audience is written for. Yeah. I think that April, although... Maybe they weren't targeting people who were a little bit younger. I think April was supposed to be the stand-in for the, who am I in this movie? If I'm a kid watching this movie, I'm April. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a lot of people will want to be the Turtles, too. But right. I think that's who they're supposed to. I, I always wanted to be Donatello. <laughs> you don't want to be Mikey? No. <laughs> nope. Um, I always okay. wanted to be Donatello. <laughs> Smart. I think when we're talking source material as well, I think it's important to bring up most of our original expectations, thoughts, exposure to Ninja Turtles was the original animated TV show, which was very upbeat, after school, animated, happy time, blah, blah, blah. But that was taken from comic books that were actually really dark. Interesting. So, and I don't know if you know this, um, some of our audience may know this, the actual reason the Ninja Turtles came to be was the two guys that initially you know invented them they actually were really big fans of daredevil huh and so they were thinking about the daredevil origin which was you know he was in the street and a truck crashed and this toxic stuff splashed on him and splashed out into the street and that's how he became daredevil you know that's how he's blinded and his senses were enhanced mm -hmm. and they went well what if that toxic sludge went down into the sewer and splashed on some animals and that's when they started developing the ninja turtles so are they set in the Daredevil universe? In the creator's heads, yes. Okay. But since they are not part of Marvel, no. <laughs> <laughs> but so it was a very dark and gritty original purpose. And then it was adapted to the animated show. They made it very, you know, it was around the time of like He-Man and stuff like that. You didn't have dark TV shows for kids back then. So they adapted it, they made it more upbeat, they made it happier, they made it more after-school special, and then that influenced everything else afterwards. 
So when I say like all of my opinions that I'm giving are based off of my original thoughts from the original version that I saw, which was that animated version, and then kind of building from there and where it's built from there. And I think there's been there's been a lot of adaptations, a lot of different animated TV shows, different movies and whatnot that have built from that. And I think most of them have done a really good job. Uh, even actually, I know the movies aren't great. But I really, really liked the version of the turtles, even though they looked like crap. The version <laughs> of the turtles from the Megan Fox. Because yeah. they were very distinct personalities. They portrayed the Ninja Turtles in the way that I imagine they are in the books. As far as like how strong they are, how quick they are, the actual like ninja abilities... I liked in those that they didn't know. They're like, oh, we're bulletproof. All right. Like, they didn't know because mm-hmm. they'd never been shot before. You know, what the way they utilize the shells, the way they do that stuff. And in this movie, none of that happens. Like, the most you see about them being actual turtles is their shells start cracking at one point And, oh, no, people think we're monsters because we're turtles. Is there anything else turtle-related in this? Not really, no. Versus in the other ones, like, somebody swings something at their head and they tuck their head in their shell and miss. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. You know, they, they use their shells to block things. You know, they, they utilize being a turtle. But in this, like you said, generically written and then just copy-paste, insert turtles to make the movie. So that's why this movie fucking sucked. <laughs> now, what about the other character I asked about? Splinter. Yes. Mm. The only thing that I ever really thought throughout in this entire movie with Splinter was, that is incredibly racist. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. That That's all I thought through the entire thing of Splinter. I never even gave it a thought of like, oh, is he doing a good job? What are they actually... No, I just... Oh, that's incredibly racist of them. I was even joking, like, after we were leaving the theater, I was like, is it racist that I guessed who some of the characters were voiced by? Because it was like, okay, that's clearly an Asian person doing Splinter, clearly a black person doing Superfly. I guessed Superfly correctly. I was completely didn't, didn't guess that it. it was Jackie Chan playing Splinter, but it's like, that's clearly, it's like, it's a Star Wars prequel. Why are you making people ethnic? <laughs> there right. seem to be ethnic assignments to certain characters that are weird, but it's like, yeah. It's like, I don't really remember there being a distinctive ethnicity to the characters. But again, I'm, it's been so, a very long time since I've seen any of the material. They, they had actually given... So Baxter Stockman was a black guy that was turned into a fly. Okay. Flinter was a rat that was raised by an Asian immigrant. Okay. Before he grew up into a humanoid. Okay. You know, so there were reasons for them to be racial-ish. But in this movie... There was none of that. Right. The fly was just created. It wasn't a black guy that became a fly. Right. It was just a fly that grew up as a, not even a preteen, and then was out on its own after that. So it's you can't say product of environment for either one of them. No reason. Other than maybe it's, diversity of voice cast? I could, mean, I could can't be. Could imagine. I, I, I don't know. As far as I know, Superfly is a brand new character for this, based off of what Baxter Stockman was. So, you know, a little bit of leniency there. Splinter was, has always been depicted as Asian. Okay. And old, but not like old dad that learned karate from movies. That was stupid to me, too. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. There's, I'm trying to give leniency because it is a new story with new versions of the characters. They're trying to go a different direction, and they very much went a different direction. So I'm trying to be a little bit loose with it. It does not have to be my version. They poke fun at themselves yeah. uh, a couple of times, where it, like we're even like referring to why it would make sense that Splinter's so old and they're so young, and that whole generational yeah. gap thing. And they even like said that just kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Like they even like even like said that at one point while they were yeah. explaining some of the backstory in terms of stuff. So like this gotta go with it. But like even the even previous versions of the movies and TV shows and stuff at least somewhat stayed true to a core idea of like how they were made, how their personalities are, what they do. And this just, again, if this was new characters, completely new characters, I'd have a very different opinion of this movie. 
but based off of known characters with known personalities and known backgrounds. I mean, all the other ones had variations, but again, stay true. And this one's just completely different, and it just rubbed me the wrong way. Before we get to a close, let's, let's circle back again, like we had said at the top. There are some good things about this movie. Yeah. And the first one I want to talk about is the music. By and large, I actually did enjoy the music in the movie. It wasn't sort of like Guardians of the Galaxy level, the way that songs are paired with mm -hmm. scenes and stuff like that. But there were some very deliberate and, and interesting uses of music. Probably the one that stands out most in my mind is the use of the Four Non Blonde song. And I said, hey, yeah, yeah. It was funny. It went on a little bit too far. But then, like you said, as we were walking out, they brought it back and it kind of worked. Yeah. So they, they had the song in the background for way too long yes. for a scene. <laughs> way too long. But then the next scene started with one of the characters singing that song again, and one of the other characters, shut up, stop singing! <laughs> and that's what I was like, okay, that worked. That worked then. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have fully agreed with you. Yeah, the, the music in this, I think the placement and the choices were good. Were yes. really good. Mm -hmm. And again, when, when you say there's good things about this movie, I just, I know I've already said it a few times, I'm going to say it one more time. If it was different characters, I would think this would be a very good kids movie. Yes. I don't think it's good for adults, really, you know, other than a minor chuckle here and there. If you're a big Ninja Turtles fan, there's some references that are there to help make it not as terrible. And anything else on the, on the music? I mean, that's the, that's the only part of the music that really stands out to me is just that one song and that one part. Yeah, I'm about to say, there were a couple of times where I thought there were some good uses of music, but the, the easiest example was yeah. the Four Non Blonde song. But it wasn't the only time, but that's the yeah. one that, because of how they literally used almost the entire song and the, the way that they, also the way that it alternated between the song and the chorus... And also, the, this, this song itself, too, also is a song that's sort of different melodies and different sort of, like, emotional tones. And they kind of blended that in a little bit. Like, at the end, when they, got, when they were singing it kind of, like, sadly, and he mm -hmm. was told to shut up by Superfly. Because at that point, you know, yeah. their new friends turned on them, and they were sad about it. So, yeah, again, it wasn't the only use of music, but I thought music was well throughout it. I mean, even as a music snob, like, there's a lot of choices in there that I'm like, oh, I hate this, but it fits and it works really well for where they put it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, good choices. Good choices all around. I don't, I've, other than the fact that I don't like the music, <laughs> I got no complaints. Yeah, there's no metal that I remember. Yeah, no, none. <laughs> Which, Raph should listen to metal. That would make sense. So this brings us back to, I think, the other part that I thought was, again, Probably not good for a Turtles movie, but the messaging, if you just take a step back from it, that's yeah. why I said earlier, it's like, it's kind of like after school specially, which I wonder if it kind of was maybe a harkening back. You said that that was kind of like what the original animated series, which I don't remember. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of that. a core idea of the Ninja Turtles is like, they're trying to do well, knowing they're not going to be accepted. Right. You know, knowing that everything, everybody's going to be scared of them, no matter what they do. Right. Like you said, very after school specially, but I think it was a very, very good message of, you know, don't judge people by their skin. Don't judge people by their outward appearance. Judge them by their actions. Right. As well as also don't take a one-sided view of things. Because they show, they show characters on both sides of it, both the quote-unquote good guys and the quote-unquote bad guys had the typical idea of the other. Like, mm -hmm. I'm me. Everybody else is very different than me, sees me very differently, and will never accept me, so fuck them. And basically both sides had kind of that, well, either fuck them for the bad guys, or we should be afraid of them for the yeah. good guys. This is why we need to hide in the sewers. The world will never accept us. Whereas the bad guys were like, humans are trash. <laughs> humans are horrible. But kind of that similar type of music, but which again, I think the after school specialty thing is like that whole growing up, trying to find out your, your place in the world and your identity and, and who you are and how painful it can be to feel different mm -hmm. than other people or to have your perceived differences called out and to be identified as someone like Puke Girl. You're now known as just this one thing that happened. So that underlying concept... I think, again, completely written to kids and preteens and parents of kids and preteens 
who might want to, let's have a conversation, y'all, about something important, is really what this whole, and again, it's well written. I'm not saying it's good, but it's like it was structured yeah. around that, and it resolved. It takes, like we said earlier, there's a couple of hard-to-accept pivots with the bad guys to say, hey, you know what, we should be good guys now, but... You know what, that's all we wanted was to be accepted, and you guys accept us, so you know what? We're with you now. Right. But, too easy, but again, you could see it coming, it was well-structured, and it was not sloppily executed. Doesn't really work great for a hardcore Turtles fan, or even maybe a mediocre Turtles fan, but you can see what they were doing, and they did that well, from an execution standpoint. What I wanted to see when the movie was building to that point, where that pivot I, what I wanted to see was, you know, a couple of them that were on the verge, like, that were on the edge, like Mondo Gecko and Wing, have them be like, you know what, I think the turtles are right. And a couple of other ones be like Bebop and Rocksteady go, hell no, we're staying where we're at. Mm-hmm. And then instead of fighting, they just leave because right. they don't want to fight each other. They exit the board. They're still on different sides, so you can set that up for later. You're not going against their characters and you still have a very similar end of the movie. Right. So that that's what I wanted to see, and when it didn't go that way, I guess there's more disappointment right. for me there. And it was a little bit for the other force pivots, the humans being, oh, kill those mutants, what are those things, to, hey, let's help them, because they're mm-hmm. trying to help us, was a little bit too, hey, we can all get along. Because that kid on that big screen says they're good. <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> Again, too easy of a pivot but it's like again i think for the intended target audience it can't be too subtle yeah you're trying to get i mean these kids today with their attention spans being as short as they are this tiktok generation you gotta make it real clear to them so that's kind of like why we think the pivots are a little bit too flimsy right but but to the i think the intended target audience it made sense and no one would would have much of a problem with it as well as the other pivot too was the parents just don't understand why why they try to take control of our lives man and telling us what to do and then splinter has the pivots like oh i'm acting like the bad guy i should really be supporting my children again a little bit of a silly pivot but again, for the target audience, it can't be subtle. I, I just want to address also, again, going back to the pivot of the general public just changing their mind all of a sudden. And I'm, I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going <laughs> to give any specifics. But I think recent history has shown us that no matter how much evidence and facts you show, people do not want to change their minds. They get pretty stuck on their first impression of things. Mm-hmm. No, no more needed. We have at times lamented the, both at times liberal and conservative, but usually much more liberal, political undertones that come out of things from Hollywood. But generally speaking, this was probably one of the more subtle ways of doing it. Although, again, intended for kids. But yeah, you could also, but maybe that also made it a bit, because again, it's the kids and their parents who brought them to the movie. Right. Kind of like, hey, parents. You know what we're talking about here, right? We're not going to hit you over the head with it because the kids won't understand, but you see what we're doing here, right? Right. And that's all they did. Which isn't a bad message again. Which is also not a bad a bad message yeah. with no real, like, agenda other than... Acceptance. Acceptance or, you know, maybe? Yeah. But, and that's it. The, the other could be scary, but it doesn't mean they're dangerous. Right. Right. So, again... I think it was, I thought it was well. I, I'm not saying it was something can be well written, well produced, and well executed, but still not be good. So there's like mm-hmm. a technical proficiency that something can have that doesn't necessarily give it quality. But if that technical proficiency is missing, it just becomes like a shit show and it right. falls apart. It's like, oh, I see what you were trying to do, but you fucking screwed it up. They executed it very well from a technical proficiency standpoint. And maybe they kept it to where they're at. It's like, maybe they just know their audience. Maybe what we're guessing as a target audience is like, you know what? It ain't going to work for everybody, but we're talking to kids yeah. and their parents. And that's all we're going to concern ourselves with. So that leads me directly into what I just made up as my metaphorical rating. <laughs> and I'm going to call this checklist completed. So if, if you were to make a checklist of all the things that would make a good kids movie, 
Mm-hmm. This checks all of the boxes. Every single box is checked. Yes. On paper, this should be a fantastic movie. And obviously for a lot of people it is because it's very highly rated at this point. Yes. But just because all the check boxes are there, mm-hmm. just because it might get awards because of the check boxes that are there, if you were to step back and actually really think about the aspects of is it enjoyable? Is it true to character? Does it have a good message? You know, the checks are there, but doesn't necessarily make it a good movie. Right. Just because you put all the fruit in a blender doesn't make a good smoothie. Right. My metaphorical rating is even more ham-fisted, but is somewhat in that same vein. My metaphorical rating is, Kawabunga! Don't. You wrote a decent kids movie, you didn't need to make it a Turtles thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what doesn't quite work. Like you have said throughout this episode, it's like, if it was not a Turtles movie, like you said, it checks all the boxes. And like I said earlier... I'm really would be genuinely just as a just a nerd of how things get created curiosity. I really wonder what came first. We want to do a turtles thing or we have this idea for a kids oriented thing that checks all the boxes. And the general thing that often happens is like what's going to probably get more people to go see the movie? Turtles will bring a lot more people to the theater. A fair number of them, us included, We'll be disappointed with the final product, but guess what? We fucking saw it. Yeah, they got our money. <laughs> if it was a, hey, that just looks like a checklist kids movie, I'm going to go see that. Yeah. So it's like, what did they do first? I, I, don't, I honestly don't know the answer, but to me it's like, yeah, it's a, like you said, it's a, it's a children's movie checklist movie, and I think they bolted on the Turtles yeah. theme in order to get more asses in seats. All right, anything else? That's all I had, man. All right, with that, I'm going to go shopping for some uh, comic books. <laughs> and uh, I guess on the way out, I'll just say, T-U-R-T-L-E power. T-U-R-T-L-E power. So a couple weeks after we initially recorded this episode, I have since then got the first five or seven issues of the original comic series and listened to Jim's original edit of this episode a few times. And there's some corrections I want to make. There's a couple things that I've learned from the comic series that I think is interesting. And Jim's here as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to learn along with you. So the first thing I want to address in my list as we go through things is I had said at one point that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles should be for kids. Yes. Now I was very explicit when I said that and I meant it, but it was a little wrong because really the core of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is very dark and adult oriented from the original material. What I meant was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has become for kids and should continue to be for kids. Yeah, I think at one point you had said that the animated television series, which is how a lot of people came to it maybe around your age, was used to like an after-school specialty mm-hmm. kind of happy, upbeat thing, but that that was different than the dark tone of the comic book, not just because the comic book is in black and white. <laughs> right. So I, I just wanted to clarify that. So also looking at the source material, I was very adamant throughout this episode that the turtles were not the characters as they were in the source material in this movie. And I was wrong. Really? Yeah, so in at least these issues that I read, there isn't a lot of character difference between the turtles. Really? Um, So also looking at um, what I had said about the letters of their names being on the buckles, Mm -hmm. that happened later. It wasn't in the originals. And also, like, and I'm, I'm showing Jim here. You guys can look it up yourself as well. You can kind of see from the coloring of the of the, the cover that they didn't have different colors either. All of them just wore red bandanas and pads. Oh, wow. So there was nothing to really differentiate them other than, you know, a couple straps here and there and the actual Their weapons. weapons. Yeah. But also in this, they have main weapons that they use, but they also kind of jump around and use other various things because they're all experts on all weapons. Huh. Okay. So I know that the letters thing did come later, at least. I'm fairly certain that I have seen images of the comic books where they did differentiate themselves later, so I'm sure it grew from there. So I guess this movie did do a better job of the original source material version of the characters. 
That being said, that was 40 years ago, and they have grown a lot since then. The characters have developed a lot since then. And to me, it doesn't make sense to regress to the origins of the character. There's a reason we don't do that in most of the superhero stuff that we see, because the original versions of the characters usually weren't that great in compared to what they grew into. They um, often usually become a symbol of the times that they were written in as well. Yeah, there's a lot of that too. And, and I guess with that, there's something too that we spent a lot of time talking about. This movie does a lot of like for the times, like TikTok videos and the dances and vernacular and stuff like that. Well, I mean, kind of the original TV show did that too that everybody loves based on the vernacular and the skateboarding and surfer attitude type stuff, which was kind of of its time. Some of that has lasted, but most of it has not. So I just want to clarify on that. I know if anybody's listening that had actually read the books, they were probably yelling at me. <laughs> um, so there's that. I did also, I, I quoted the original movie, and I knew I was misquoting it as I was saying it. I was just trying to say it clearly, like, what I meant by it, instead of actually quoting it. But then when I went and listened to it back, I'm like, oh, that's going to bother me if I don't correct it. <laughs> so when I, I said that Donatello was even, like, calculating how much time the pizza guy, the actual quote, and no, I didn't go back and watch it again. I know the quote. The actual quote is, pizza dude's got 30 seconds. I didn't give the actual quote, and it was going to bother me if I didn't correct it. <sighs> I feel better now. <laughs> you feel as if a shell so, has yeah, been lifted off right, of your right, shoulders. Right, right, right. So, so in that scene, so the point I was making though is that Donatello in the movie, the original movie, he was shown as being smart by doing things that were smart. Like they weren't forcing it into you; they just kind of showed. So that scene was, I believe it was uh, Michelangelo was kind of going off on a thing. And then he's like, well, what do you think? Pizza dude's got 30 seconds. So, so it was like the whole time. That's that's what Donatello was thinking about, not the other stuff. And he wasn't like watching a clock. He was just doing it internally. The final thing here, which I felt like I was kind of opening a box of worms, but I tried to tread lightly on it. And I wanted to revisit it because I think it's important. Even though we don't normally talk about these things that much, or we try to dance around it and not really have to talk about it, it was the changing of April O'Neil. Okay. And I think it is important to talk about because I, as I'm sure a lot of people feel conflicted about it, and one of the biggest things is the changing of April's race. It, it both bothers me and doesn't bother me for the exact same reason of why does it matter? So a lot of people are really upset about it, and a lot of people are happy about it. Why does it matter? It's not important to the story in any way, shape, or form anywhere. And so when I went back to the source material, which is in black and white, and I'm like, okay, the source material, does it say? It's pretty ambiguous. Like, the way she's drawn in it, I can't tell. In the book, I'm showing Jim the actual book right now, is like, that series is like her with Baxter Stockman. Yeah, that is very... It's, it's ambiguous. It's especially ambiguous since it's in black and white. Right. But and, yeah. and they kind of color her face in a way, like shaded her face in a way that's like, you don't know if it's just shade or if she has a darker complexion. Uh, her hair is kind of ambiguous in it. So I'm less upset about it, even though I wasn't really that upset about it to begin with. It's just kind of like, oh, that's different. Why did they change it? And there wasn't really a reason to change it, but there also wasn't a reason not to change it. And so I wanted to address it, even though there isn't really anything to address, I guess. Um, I know we kind of danced around it, but didn't really say anything about it. But I just feel like we're doing a disservice not saying something about it, since there is a bit of a controversy or uproar recently about the fact they have recently changed across different series and <coughs> movies and stuff. They have changed her to being person of color. But again, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't matter to the story in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I know we had mentioned earlier in the episode that the fact that there seemed to be specific racial choices to some of the other characters, but it did kind of make sense based on the source material, but also thinking of this as representation is important and having more representation in the movie, trying to make it more commercially attractive mm -hmm. was probably the main reason why it was done. And again, it's one of those things, it's like, it's not bad, like representation matters, but should it be forced? Does it have to be in there? But then again, it's also a Turtles movie, so it's probably not as important. Yeah. But again, it's more of that whole commercialization of they're trying to reach as mm -hmm. wide of an audience as possible, and they want to make sure that everybody... It's kind of like a bed and taunt ad. They want to make sure that there's one of everything yeah. uh, to try to reach to a broad of a possible audience as possible. 
like I said, it doesn't really matter too much. Like like you said, it doesn't really change anything significantly about the movie, but it does seem kind of weird. But I, yeah. I, I don't understand why people would be very upset about it. I know there's often understandable backlash when the reverse is done. If April mm. was traditionally Latina and they made her white, that would make people upset. And that's understandable. Yeah. When it goes the other way, it doesn't really bother me as much, especially when it's not like integral to the plot of, of the thing. Right. That's what I mean when I say it bothers me, but it doesn't bother me is like mm-hmm. it bothers me as, in as far as, well, that's not what April looks like. But then I think for half a second and go, well, it doesn't matter. That's not what April initially looked like because what she looks like doesn't matter at all to the mm-hmm. story. So I guess one final thing that I just want to mention and bring up is you had mentioned the original live action movie, the 90s version of it. One thing that I will just say from reading these books, I was actually really shocked at how well that first movie followed the books. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's not exact, but like the story of how Splinter came to be was really close. The story of like them fighting Shredder really close like the way they work together even even when raf like freaks out and runs away and goes across the rooftops and meets casey jones almost scene for scene out of the book oh wow i did not expect that but also like some of the things i think i had mentioned like they some of the newer versions of the cartoons like went off in weird ways that i didn't expect them to straight out of these first issues characters that i had never known before i'm like why did they make these characters up that doesn't make sense well, they came from the first issues of the books, and they, we just hadn't seen them before because it just goes way out into left field. So let me ask you this question. So having gone through this, partially motivated by wanting to make some corrections to some things that you had said earlier in the episode, has this changed your opinion of the movie at all? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am less critical over the fact that they made the Turtles' personalities the way they did. But at the same time, I'm almost more critical because I'm like, they they made the changes over the years for a reason. Okay. And it would have made it a better movie if they had the different personalities more shown. So no, it doesn't really change anything about the movie. I think everything still is kind of spot on. I'm still a big fan of Mondo Gecko. <laughs> Even though he's not in these original books, I'm hoping... I'm debating whether or not I want to try to invest in more because there is a lot of books and I want to read them, but it's like 25 bucks a pop and that's a lot of money. <laughs> well, to say the book that you have in front of us right now is pretty thick and that's only seven issues. Yeah, it's only seven issues and those like 25 bucks and there's over a hundred issues. So that's a lot of money and a lot of space on the bookshelf. So overall, still, uh, opinion in the movie, unchanged, but a little bit of additional background information to to color in, pun intended, some of our (laughs) uh, earlier comments from earlier in the episode. And a couple corrections that were going to bother me if I didn't correct. Excellent. You want to turtle us out? Ribs got 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Fanboy and the Hater. We really appreciate it and would love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating. Write a review. Reach out to us on Twitter at FanboyAndHater. Email us at TheFanboyAndTheHater at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes on our website, FanboyAndHater.Podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Where you can download the free Podbean mobile app for Android and iOS. You can also find us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Once again, thanks for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater.